Welcome to The Johnny Cassell Show. This is your number one resource for dating and lifestyle advice. Okay, guys, listen, um, this, this episode I've been, I've been really looking forward to um, because my, my next guest and friend uh, is quite a unique individual. You know, the, the positions that she's held at various tech companies have been of tremendous value and the value that she's incorporated within these companies um, is eye-opening. And what we're going to be talking about today is how there are individuals out there, you know, as we progress in society and our technology evolves, there's always going to be people that are out there to abuse it for whatever reason, you know, whether they be terrorists, foreign governments, uh, hackers, bullies. Um, so what Laura is really good at is using these platforms and finding solutions at a, as to how to combat these people. There's going to be various other topics that we're going to talk about. Um, so if you're interested in, in the tech world, uh, you, you're a woman perhaps, uh, or you, you, you're attracted to women that are you know, go-getting career girls, then you know, stay tuned. We're going to talk about all sorts of things. So I, I, see, I see Laura's on now. So let me just have a join. Hey. Hello. Can you hear me? I, I can hear you. Great. Well, welcome to my home. I mean, I just messaged you earlier and I was like, make sure your back game, your your background game is strong. And uh, let's just have a look over there. Super boho, bad. super chic. Not too bad in San Francisco. Back, background game strong. Strong game. <laughs> How's it going? Here we are. It's well. Um, I'm going well. I've just finished my training session. And, um, you know, I've been excited for us to connect on one of these. I know we spoke about it for a while. And, um, you know, I'm really thankful that we come into conversation to put this together because, you know, as we've known each other for some years now, it really kind of helped me further understand what you do and, and the yeah. value that you actually bring in. Um, because I know that when we met, there was only certain things you could really talk about. Yep. Um, so I'm hopefully going to use this time to talk about that a little bit more now than what you could previously. Um, so, you know, what, what, what I've, what I spoke about already about you is, you know, you've, you've had this background working in tech, uh, Facebook, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but it was WhatsApp first of all, no? Wasn't you, behind, wasn't you within the team of, of WhatsApp initially? Um, no, I initially started on Facebook pages, and right. so, but then the role kind of expanded across the family of apps for Facebook. So once we started diving into some of the integrity things we needed to, to address. Right. So yeah. where did the interest of, yeah. you know, going into the tech world, first of all, but then really finding your niche of, you know, protecting people from, from, from these platforms effectively? Yeah. So my background actually started in um, taxes and security um, within that. And so I started at a company called Intuit, um, which has a product here called TurboTax I acquired years ago. Yeah. And so working within the realm of taxes, use vulnerabilities um, in that landscape and trying to solve for that in a user standpoint to make sure they're feeling protected doing their taxes and things like that. That's where the interest really came. And then Facebook was just a massive scale of how to try to instill some of these principles to make make people feel safe and get the right type of information. Okay, so how many times do you think that you've been responsible for keeping people safe? 
Um, more than uh, I would like to say, um, and sometimes it's subconscious. A lot of your day to day in these in these environments are they seem like any day to day. And so once you're working on these things, you have to kind of step back a little bit and say, holy smokes, like I'm really I'm doing this for a massively greater good. Right. So could you give us an example? I mean, like, so let's let's start off lightly, first of all. I mean, not to say lightly, because it's still a major issue. But, you know, yeah. if there is, you know, some there's a kid at school, whatever, and, yeah. you know, he he's perhaps experiencing being bullied at school. Right. Mm -hmm. But of course, now, because of technology, the bullying doesn't stop at school. It could potentially continue on Facebook, on Instagram or whatever flavor of the month, you know, social media platform, whatever it is. Um, What's your role with that? I mean, how do you yeah. how do you first identify that's going on, and then perhaps I don't know what is it limiting these people's accounts? I mean, how how does that work? Yeah, so you have to start at like the very um, genesis of what it makes to be a bully, and so you have to understand that ideology, and that person's probably suffering just as much as the person being bullied, and so in order to kind of address that in a holistic way, you have to you have to understand the bully. Um, you have to speak with them. You have to see their behaviors and the type of bullying they're doing. And then that gives you the type of research you need to go and to start making product solutions. So say I'm being bullied, um, and here's the example. Um, a lot of times when you're being bullied on a platform, you don't necessarily want to block the bully because that'll kind of initiate different behavior and different avenues for them to start using or they'll create a new account. And so essentially you have to provide a set of tools that allow them to maybe restrict. So that came out for Instagram. So commenting and restricting those kind of give the person more control, the person being bullied um, to see how they want to type address the type of bullying. So you have to give user controls and you can't just immediately block because that might not be the solution for everyone. So you'll get notified when someone has reported it on the account, right? So someone right. has flagged it up as abuse or something like that. It right. might start off with comments under an image and then that effectively works as a ticket on your side and you look at it, you, you discover it, and then mm. you try to, exp so, so when you said about, it's really interesting what you said, like exploring the mindset of the bully, you have to understand the bully for, first as mm. to why they're using it and, and restricting their accounts. What's the next cause of action? I mean, is someone directly from Facebook reaching out or is it just a, like a, look, this is, this is the punishment and you know, it's, one strike, two strike, three strikes, you're out sort of thing. Yeah, so there's definitely, it's a spectrum. So sorry, you might hear some some background noise. Yeah. Um, but there's a spectrum of different types of bullying. There's like spam behavior. There's um, any type of abusive behavior that falls in a lot of different facets of um, bullying. And so you have to, one, have human review. Um, and we have, again, a checkmark system to understand the level of severity and the level of harm being caused. And so that is reviewed. Um, there's also machine learning and classifiers that kind of review content and um, things that will identify really quickly if it's abusive language on the platform. And yeah. so that goes through a review system. Um, and then there's also just ways for users to give um, feedback. So you can simply tap through and give you like some assessment of like the type of bullying happening. Um, but then if we need more information, um, we'll put something in product and reach back out to the user to make sure their, their problems being accurately addressed. So, so if someone is like, you know, listens to this perhaps, and you know, they are on the receiving end of, you know, some online bullying, I mean, you know, we're talking about, you know, if you're younger, but to be honest, it doesn't really stop whatever age you're at, you know, I mean, it, it you see some, you know, you get these keyboard warriors online, 
um, and they have this sort of like group mentality of, of, of sort of butchering someone online. But like, what what can you, what can that person do if they're on the receiving end of it? How can they kind of speak to these social, or what's the course of action to take? Yeah, and if it's, if it's particular to Instagram, there are different reporting tools that are there. Um, there are different types of muting behaviors um, in the product and different affordances that allow people to kind of mitigate that mitigate that on their own. But if it does need to escalate to actual our community ops team, then people would go and um, review those things and make sure. So there is a little bit of waiting game, a waiting game, and so that's unfortunate. But um, since I was there, they're trying to address that gap period because a lot more abuse can happen if there is time between. And so if you're thinking about to your initial point of um, speaking to the adult demographic and various subsets of that, um, bullying starts to manifest in different ways across the landscape of adulthood. And whether that be in a sexual harassment realm, whether that be in just uh, a click realm where you're feeling excluded from your friends and things are happening outside of your knowledge, there's like those little granularities are also can be considered bullying if, if it causes harm for the person. And so addressing those are really, really nuanced, but um, a part of the problem and the, the lure to try to get it solved for. All right. What do you, were you like, why is it important to you? Do you, is it? Yeah. I mean, I think most people were exposed to bullying. I mean, I certainly was when I was younger, you know, um, by girls, ironically. Yeah. <laughs> well, a lot of comments on that one, but we'll shut it. <laughs> um, it just yeah, it hits it, home for me once you once you have line of sight into the the severity and the scale at which people are being bullied on um, different types of social mediums. You you hopefully and intrinsically become this massively empathetic person and wanting to help all of them when it's prevalent in your day to day, seeing these types of behaviors and actions time over time, and it really almost can in some cases lead to suicide. And you essentially want to use your whole mind and body and heart to really help and really make sure these people are um, safe and taken care of. Do you feel like bullying is like um, part of character building? Um, like, do you feel like, I mean, for, for me, you know, the way I look at it, and maybe it's just because of the way I've trained myself psychologically, like it was the best thing that happened to me when I was younger because it, it gave me limited belief that girls didn't like me and then pushed me in a direction later on in life to overcome this limited belief that I had. So although at the time you don't know any different, you don't know that's ahead of you and it's a very traumatic thing to experience. Your emotions aren't developed, your, your psychology, you know, you haven't done life, you know, but I feel like for me, it was certainly an important thing to experience. Yeah, no, I think, I think, just to your point, I, I think it is, there are character building moments and things you can extract to kind of reframe them and take them forward in a positive way. But I think it's also just ingrained. So we, we live in this world where survival is what we're coming from. And so some, sometimes that surfaces as being a bully and making yourself and your ego feel a little bit stronger and higher. And sometimes that manifests in other ways and you become inward and you start to um, deal with all of your things in that sense, but I think right. it's in, essentially ingrained in in our in our characters and our and genetics. So, in order to combat that, you just have to have a finite lens into yourself and the the effects you have on other people. Right. So you you mentioned that they're about suicidal as well, which is like the deeper stages. I mean, now 
the bullying thing on the platform, I can understand that. Like someone can report that, but suicidal, I mean, is that, are you, do these platforms pick up on the signals that other u- users are reporting of the individual in question that could potentially be suicidal or is it more of like a, like a list, like a, a listening sort of, um, I don't know how to explain this. <laughs> you are, is it like an AI that kind of scans like some sort of language on there? That's like, well, this guy is like really in a rut right here. Yeah. Like, and t- talk, talk to me a bit about that. Sure. And that's kind of the beauty at working at scale. Such a morbid conversation. (laughs) It's okay. (laughs) Right up in my wheelhouse. So no worries. Um, But that's, it's similar. That's what the beauty is at having a company like Instagram and Facebook at the scale it is. There are so many different teams that can combat um, from all different vantage points how to tackle um, bullying. And so for instance, um, in the suicidal route, there are instances where in the comments, something said like knife or end or death, or I don't want to be alive anymore. Ooh. So what you can do from a machine learning standpoint is identify um, models and classifiers to pick up on those. And we can train those machines to kind of flag it. Pretty back. You, you got me? Did you hear that? Yeah, yeah. yeah you, you were talking, you, what you mentioned there was that you can train machines to, to basically spot these keywords and monitor it and flag it. Yep, exactly. And so once, once that's working in parallel to um, some of the other product solutions and affordances within the app itself and the user reporting and our community apps uh, reviewing all of these things, you can kind of triangulate all of that information and understand the severity and start looking at it in a, in a lens. And if you need to go and make, do some research or in-app surveys and things like that to understand if the problem is actually being addressed um, to get that another piece of signal to kind of have an aggregate of all those pieces, then you can actually understand where do I start here? What's the what's the root source? Where is it stemming from? And how is it propagating throughout the platform? Wow. I mean, it's so clever. <laughs> it's yeah, very oh, clever. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so what would then the next step the be? <laughs> would there be, yeah, but I, what I like about what we're talking about here is, you know, people see social media as perhaps as a medium to show off and flex and uh, all this kind of stuff. But what we're talking about here is the level of social responsibility um, these sort of companies have when you grow something so big and, and adopt so many users. So it's it's really comforting to hear that there there is this side of this um, w- within these companies. So what would the next step be? You've, you've looked at um, a potential uh, person that could be in danger of themselves. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then is there, would, would someone reach out to them or would you refer that to like social services or, or, or an authority? Um, yeah, so there, there are tools um, that'll allow people to go directly to a hotline. Um, there are also tools back in the day being built that kind of gave a community sense. And so connecting people that are um, in similar mindsets and making sure they have support in all realms, because not a lot of people want to just dial in to a hotline. Um, there's a big, big barrier of entry there as far as just like an emotional sense, especially in the times of need. Some of these users are already decided. And so... In that yeah. sense, um, you have to act fast and you have to provide whatever you can in, in the product because um, there there aren't hundreds and hundreds of people answering every single thing all the time um, because there are a lot of instances it's used. So it just has that to be That must be so stressful. 
very much so. So I do not, I did not envy the people that had to review every single item. That was really hard, but it also gave this sense of team um, going to the, re the same objective, the same mission. Everyone was super passionate and very much, very much like ingrained into the outcome and helping people. You mentioned to me that you know that 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 there there is this side of it, you know, where you've got the bullying, you've got the suicidal stuff, and then you've got <laughs> governments, foreign governments meddling with social influence. Mm. And I'm a big fan. I mean, that's that's my area, <laughs> social influence. You know, like that's that's yeah. so. What can you share about that? Obviously, you know, there's a lot of stuff you probably can't talk about. Um, what I mean, I had it over to you on that. I mean, how 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 in your experience, how have governments used the social media tools to influence decision making and, and behavior? Yeah, um, so a lot of this stuff, I'm sure, has been across the global media, propagated everywhere, um, especially back in 2016 with the U.S. elections. Um, there are many different ways to cause harm on a platform and start to social engineer. Um, the one that I was specifically close to was um, creating fake pages. So um, a prime example is um, the 200 some uh, Russian company that just perpetually created fake Facebook pages. And so what we had to do is identify the mass reach, um, the audiences they're going after and the types of mechanisms they're trying to social engineer. And so in that example, um, the ways they were doing it were creating false propaganda and attaching it to different candidates. And it gave them a contrast view of what their normal stance or platform was. And so that and started to instill, started to instill this like questioning factor um, to anyone that were seeing those types of posts. And so that removes complete objective thought. And so or what we wanted to do is start to instill um, pieces of object objectivity where they can start to formulate their own idea. And so we couldn't explicitly say at the time false, accurate, um, because we had to have the neutrality sense, but we started giving them pieces of information of, so this page was created in Russia by 1700 different admins all across the globe. <laughs> so that kind of gives you this idea of something's right. up here when they're posting pro-Trump propaganda. So you can start to form these things, um, whether the users do that or not um, is unknown, but we started to provide them ways to start having that objectivity within their platform use. Okay, so so it, it's allowing the, the, the propaganda to be there, but just making the, the, the user aware that this could have been from such and such place. Exactly, and started like to share where location-wise, where is this being shared? And so you can have like a geographical relevance of all of the places this little article has been populated and then you can start to form it an even bigger opinion. Wow, okay, and and terrorists as well? Terrorists using social media to, um, to, to, to push out their campaigns of terrorism? I mean, how, is it, how, how else are they using it? And how, um, how do you prevent it? Recruitment. Um, recruitment, there's a, sure. There's a lot of different ways that, um, that surfaces on any, any platform. So if you think about anything a person would do to cause harm, whether it be terrorist groups, whether it be, um, certain religious groups, um, whether it be foreign governments wanting their own objective to be fulfilled. Um, that 
that spans across different ways of how it starts to show up, whether it be recruitment, whether it be spreading mass information, whether it be buying tickets to an event or, or something that doesn't even exist um, for not, not having right like funding. So there's just so many different ways it can start to show up and so many different things like to, to bite off and chew, you have to really be uh, narrow in where you start to address the problem. What do you feel is the difference between, um, you know, I mean, like, for example, every time I walk down towards the, the Green Park station here in London, there's, there's, a, there's a stand, stand of evening standard newspapers, right? Now, with a team of writers that's paid by a certain person, that's funded by a certain person to trickle down an influence on Joe Public, you know, so I, I see like social media is the modern day manipulation of society, you know, is the platform where you can manipulate. Uh, and, 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 you know, the newspapers were the, were the old, well, they still exist, but, you know, it's kind of gone more digital. Do you, I mean, do, do you feel that there's, what am I trying to say here? What try to explain? <laughs> I mean, what's the difference is what I'm trying to say. You know, um, one's offline, think- one's online. I think the why it's hard to ask the question is because there isn't a difference. Um, right. Social media and platforms that have a community essence to them essentially is the modern warfare. Um, that's the reach. That's where you gain your audience and that's where you can gain following. And that's where you can start to start to nurture this type of environment online and then cause mass destruction if you want, honestly. Okay. I think we spoke enough about the negative side of social media. <laughs> <laughs> I want to sort of like change the gear and sort of like sure. maybe turn the car around and yeah. go in a different direction. <laughs> um, but all that stuff is, is very fascinating. And like I said, it's very comforting to know that, you know, that there are um, these sectors within these companies that are, that are watching and looking out for this mm-hmm. sort of stuff. Cause a lot of people don't know that, you know? Right. Right. It's not um, really, publicized too much, but it's also a good thing because yeah. you don't want to form new avenues of, um, of harm once they know the underbelly. Right, right. So let's look at the positives then. I mean, you know, <laughs> you've, you've recently started with um, a, correct if I'm wrong, but it, it's Strava, which is a, a cycling community, an online yeah. cycling community. Mm-hmm. And could you tell us a bit about your role there and what potentially yeah. others could learn from what you're doing there and how they could incorporate it using such strategies? Yeah, so uh, my role there, um, so I lead a design team. And so essentially Strava is known for running and cycling um, and it is, it's been around for almost 11 years now. And so it's really been known historically to just create a bunch of features, a bunch of things that are really useful for cyclists and really useful for athletes. And it's become this this really robust um, app. So my, my role there was kind of to take a step back and start to understand where we can simplify and really give the users a voice. And so what that could look like is, are we addressing the types of problems they have when they're being athletic? Are there any friction points during their ride or their run that Strava is actually causing? And so how do we mitigate those types of things? And a lot of the role has just been more in a strategic guidance way. So we just recently uh, moved our paywall to put some of our most um, valuable features and our most um, unique features behind a paywall. So that caused some some friction, but my role in that was to try to identify, one, how do we become profitable? 
Um, right, which a lot of like these cool, <laughs> you know, how do we how do we still remain cool but keep our users exactly. that actually make a profit? I guess exactly. it's always the battle. Like, and there's this always there's always this balance of like, do we create really great features to really make people happy and get that element of delight, or do we do more strategic bets and still maintain but also make sure that the entire experience itself isn't just saturated with a bunch of features, but the features that are are there are working really well. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and so and and the pivot to positivity, um, Instagram and Facebook obviously have multiple facets of uh, positivity. Strava itself, though, um, it's just it's people hyped up on endorphins, cycling, cycling through their day, running through their day, and having a sense of accomplishment, and going through injuries and physical training, but getting a sense of community, um, and seeing their friends cycling, they're seeing their friends running, they're seeing all the multi sports we have on the platform. There's a is, sense there, is there is there another any app that 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 kind of serves that sort of client base? Um, as far as an online community for for athletics, um, not necessarily. There are other apps in, in regard to performance, like Garmin has um, a few um, similar features, as well as like Nike Run and some other sure. some other things. And then there are like really granular aspects of like training packs. So so it's another or training. Um, another app that will, allows users to kind of track their cycling data. Um, but as far as having a community and an online place to see what your friends are doing in, a, in the athletic realm, um, not that I'm familiar with. Okay. So I want to, what I want to try, I want to try and pull something from you that I can go and use straight away that I, you know, that I can, your, your knowledge, how can I get your knowledge to help grow my community? Okay. Um, so in the athletic sense, oh, am I still here? <laughs> yeah. Well, not, not athletics, but I mean, yeah. you know, and, we tend this it more towards the, the, you know, men's self-development, you know, yeah. what would your, what would your angle be? Yeah. Well, I think, I think we're pretty aligned as far as like all, it, what it has to start with off line and just owning in on the mission, the principles that you want to work within and seeing how those should manifest in whatever platform you're using. So, and for your instance, um, you do a really great job of identifying um, snackable moments uh, that people can take and apply. I think showing your application on that um, and how you do that as well will give a good baseline of, a, of something to compare because as humans, we're always comparing. So if we're comparing in a really positive sense in the actions that you're doing and your your audience is seeing that, I think that will, one, just bring in validity to what you do, but also have more traction and get more momentum moving forward. Okay. And also put my best content behind a payment wall. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Move behind the wall. <laughs> Premium feature set. <laughs> um, a woman, you know, being, being a woman in tech, um, what year did you start out? Being, I want to see kind of work out you know what you've experienced within that period. Yeah, the so, shifts and the changes. Yeah, in 2011, it's where I really started uh, looking at the behavioral sense of how people start using things, and so it doesn't necessarily apply then into into the tech atmosphere, but that's when I started to understand intentions um, within a screen setting, um, intentions within how do people get to their objective and the decisions they make in the matrix behind that. Um, so it started around 2011 and trying to understand um, just motivations in general. And then fortunately, I think my um, 
when I moved out to California and started working for TurboTax, you really, you really identify pain points. And then once you see how hard something is for someone, all you want to do is kind of understand why it's hard, why is it hard for them on an individual standpoint, and then how can you actually start to apply those hardships on a mat, on a larger scale and address them in a product sense. So it started all within <laughs> taxes. <laughs> right, right. But have you do you feel like working in tech as a woman is, is a comfortable environment or do you feel that um, it's it's still quite a masculine environment and you've got a kind of, there's a bit of toughening up to do in that world. I mean, I, I know that to be true mm -hmm. still for the financial kind of district. Um, absolutely, it's male dominated and, and it has been for a long time. Um, for me, I think whenever you come in with a deep sense of empathy um, and real, really focused on the user base and who you're trying to solve for, from just my personal experience, is all of the noise and the the power dominance and the hierarchies just fade away. Because if you can speak knowledgeably about what you're what you're working on, it it becomes a level playing field. And so, I fortunately am am one to speak up no matter what. Um, and so, for, and <laughs> like luckily in a role where I can empower other people to do that and show them how you can speak up. And so, and if their voice feels suppressed, there's there's also dynamics you have to address in that on the other side of the field. If it is a male suppression, then you have to go over there and you have to speak up, even if you don't think you can. But it it takes it takes direct communication and a level of emotional maturity. I love that. Yeah, and you study behavioral science, right? Yeah, yeah. And so, and what did what do you feel like? was the main takeaways from your experience of of learning that because i mean you obviously didn't know you was going to kind of venture in the tech route beforehand yeah. so you know and i i personally think everyone should study behavioral science or behavioral dynamics you know i, I think it's a it, it's 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 an investment you know in, in, within your within your knowledge um yeah. if you're not aware of how people respond to certain things influence persuade then you end up being the subject matter of what they're trying to do. So, I mean, what was the biggest takeaways for you, you know, when you, when you went through that? Yeah, I think so that there's, there's two, you have to want to un understand all vantage points of, of, of the person. And then the second one is the environment, your environment and things that are coming into your thoughts and where you place yourself, um, your friend groups, those are all big factors in, in the types of behaviors you start to do. You also have yeah. to take in consideration of background and what types of background people are coming from and how that's kind of dictated their their character and their whole persona. And so you have to just start to granularly go into these finite details of um, humans and their thought processes and desires to understand the types of things you can do to help them or kind of take them on a route that's in a more positive way. So it's understanding all facets of the audience, whether it be your vantage point or theirs and being really um, having a lot of equanimity within that and not having complete like judgments or things that will kind of deteriorate them as a person. And then it's also seeing them in the environment that they place themselves in and the environment that they're coming from. Yeah, really interesting points. And I feel like something I like to add as well is like when you, you know, when you learn this sort of stuff, sure, you do get a level of you know, a higher state of consciousness. But, and I'm sure you agree, like there's still times you have to check in with yourself and actually sort of take a step back and like just adjust things and become your own sort of personal therapist for a moment. I mean, Absolutely. you know, check in, you know, 
taking time out and just if things are going in a certain direction just checking as to why okay what environments have i been in who's exactly. been around me what's you know why are they like that mm -hmm. and then, i mean a friend of mine said it really well he goes you it, it's crazy you, you know every year you go and and take your car to the the mechanic and get your car checked in mm -hmm. but for most of us none of us do that for ourselves right you know <laughs> exactly yeah. So I think, yeah, you're spot on with that. It's like the, you have to get to the, the root source. Um, if you, if you stop the first thing, identify like the sensations that's happening, whether you're angry, whether um, you have pleasure or whether you have something, um, a scratch on your arm, um, you feel that. Yes. But then identifying where the source of that is coming from is the next level deeper that, and then you can actually like take a step back and check in with yourself properly and have a growth Point moving forward because you can identify and kind of change that behavior whether it be um whether it be i'm hot um yes it's based on the environment same time but like why am i hot start to like finite piece these things together that's a really great way of simplifying it yeah so what's so what's what's going on with your other little projects because i know <laughs> know we spoke you told me about some other little apps that you've been involved on or uh they sounded like a bit of fun but they they really took off, no? Um, there's some good ones that I can't necessarily speak to. Maybe we'll have another have another conversation. There's um, there's one that's um, uh, an automation of um, different types of music sourcing. Um, okay. So that's super interesting and using a lot of machine learning um, and also um, trying to build empathy within that so it can kind of dictate um, the type of listening experience you want. So that's pretty exciting. Um, then there, there are just other, no, like... I, I, am not like that excited, like <laughs> in, in, intrigued because the way I find like really unique music, um, is through Spotify. Like, so Spotify mm -hmm. has a really good empathy, uh, AI, I, I, so to speak, I, if that's the correct terminology <laughs> where you find a track that you like, and then you can go onto that track's radio station. And it's just very cleverly compiled a playlist mm -hmm. of, you know, music of that nature and theme. Mm -hmm. So it's interesting yeah. you you say that. I recognize what you're getting. Yeah, at. yeah. Spotify's prediction algorithm is really, really. Our recommendation algorithm is really, really, really dialed in. Um, and this this would be more so for the people pushing music out into the world, whether it be producers, whether it be radios, um, and having having a more streamlined process to that, um, but not taking away from the curation and uh, creative development. What's so, it, what's <laughs> it like working in, um, one of these tech companies, right? I mean, you've, you've worked at a, a few of the big ones and, um, you know, I think from, from the outside, people see it as almost like it's a bit of a, uh, a knees up, you know, a bit of a party, you know, they look at this like <laughs> playground office space and all this kind uh, of stuff and you know, that doesn't yeah. like work, you know, like, I mean, yeah. is it, is it as laid back as, 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 uh, what it looks like on the outside or? Absolutely not. Um, <laughs> I was waiting for you to go, absolutely. <laughs> No, um, I I have a forced methodology to have my work life balance. But honestly, the the beautiful office spaces, the endless snacks, the chef lines, the varying like aspects of breakfast, lunch, and dinner you can have, the bikes, all the things are provided because the people that are working there are working extremely hard and yeah. having those um, luxuries. Um, 
are sometimes necessary in the, in the spaces that I've been. I, I see it very valuable to take a bike ride when I was at the main campus and just have some headspace for, for a few minutes. But it's also um, in supply to competition. Um, if you don't have these other elements that every single tech company in the Bay Area have, whether it be a snack bar, whether it be meals provided every day or one-off days in the week, if you don't have those elements, you're not going to get the, the upper echelon of talent that you're after because someone will scoop you up elsewhere with better perks. <laughs> right, right, right. What, what, so what, is, what does dating look like on, on these tech, tech campuses? Um, you know, thank goodness I don't date my um, colleagues. <laughs> ah, there you go. Um, but there are people that date each other, um, and it's, it's, it's a strange sense of family. When you're there all the time in these massive places, you get, to, you get really like, comfortable and familiar with your team, whether it be in a social setting or um, in a work setting. And so that naturally forms bonds and um, attractions. Um, as far as everyone I've been around that have been together in a work environment are extremely respectful and extremely um, cognizant of their behaviors within that setting. And it's, it's actually, um, I celebrate it when, it when it's a mutual lovely thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and San, San Francisco is um, what I know it to be, um, is a very liberal place. Yes. And it's very, is it, is there more men than there are women? Is that correct? Yes, there is. Yes. I'm not sure the percentage breakdown now, especially with not many people around, <laughs> but I'll check the consistent data and let you know, but it is still pretty male dominated. So a great place to live if you're a single woman, you know, you've got all of these rich tech single dudes out there that are looking to get shacked up. So that's the best <laughs> bit of it. There's <laughs> a bit of dating advice for, for single ladies out there. Yeah, and again, so a lot of um, tech workers, and I'm probably gonna bite my tongue for this later, but are cut from the same cloth. And it's, it's an interesting paradox you live in within being extremely liberal and free-spirited um, sitting. And then having a lot of these tech workers feel like they are a little robotic and cut from the same cloth and kind of boasting money and things that actually don't equate to who they are as a person. And so in my only my perspective, um, I actually don't tend to date people, um, other right. people in tech um, because they're in my viewpoint have been a pattern of um, different things doesn't that stimulate doesn't stimulate. And there's for me, have been a lack of emotional intelligence within that world because their their goals are elsewhere. Their goals are money, making quick gains and growth me like mechanisms, where that needs to be applied inside minus the money part. There needs to be like little growth nuances happening inside versus their their career. That's really that's really insightful, especially from you know someone like yourself. Um, so where you know where would you advise then if if someone's listening right now and they find themselves to be in a, a similar situation where they don't want to date someone from the same perhaps scene or mm -hmm. same working environment yeah what's been your approach to that i mean how have you managed to make it work for you yeah i think just in the wild and whether it be on the nap or in the wild in the wild <laughs> <laughs> I've okay. been inside far too long. <laughs> um, yeah. But yeah, whether it be outside in wild, uh, organically, or through through apps, um, my approach is just identifying principles and like-minded qualities that I know will st stimulate um, good conversation. So it always equates to have they been, are they well read? Like, what are they reading? Do they read? Yeah. And usually that's a clear like 
turn off if it's like no books in on the shelf um, or in here. And Hope so, you guys are listening. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Um, yeah. So that's a key element. Like you could be successful, but if if you're not trying to continually better yourself or have a learning yeah. mentality, um, then that's definitely not something I'd be involved in. That's a really like important insight and and a, a lovely reminder. I mean, you know, your learning shouldn't stop when you you leave school, college, university, right. like we're, we're always learning. Something I talk about a lot is how to combat loneliness. And I feel like mm -hmm. if you are in a position where you are experiencing loneliness, it's probably because you decided to stop learning. Exactly. Because every time that you bring yourself back into a space of learning, you, you find yourself in, involved in the community. Yeah, so it's I something I'm agree. always encouraging. Yeah, I think perpetual learning mentality, a beginner's mind, if you will, in a Buddhist sense, um, will always lead to self-betterment. And I think it's it's really trying to understand and get down to the comparative model we live in. And so if you have a sense of loneliness, you're benchmarking that loneliness off of something, whether it be an innate feeling inside of you of like, I just want companionship and proximity and skin and touch and all those things, or is it based on something that you're observing that you're coveting? And so if you understand where that sense of loneliness is coming from, then you can take the learning mentality and apply that method and learn in different facets of, okay, why, how do I remove observational comparison models? There's books on that. Or how do I go, um, how do I go and address this like deeply inward feeling? Um, and there's also many readings on that. And it, it tells you how to make your little adjustments to your day. So not to remove the feeling, you should feel all the feelings and make sure they're addressed. Um, mm. But it helps you kind of get out of that uh, negative thought pattern a little quicker and help you kind of not just live in that type of like, woe me environment. Have you found that the stuff that the knowledge you've acquired through your studies and your work and learning about humans and behavior and nature, do you feel that it's kind of got in the way of you being able to to meet someone like do you feel that there's been often maybe resistance or not a clear path because you you know there's this this whole cloud of information that you're, you're reading yeah that's a great question um, and i've been doing a lot of uh, self-reflecting on this um, in the past few oh. years and it's been there because i have that um really narrow lens on um, behaviors, interactions, body language, that does, um, that is a barrier and a wall for me sometimes to not, not just constantly go in this pattern and thought pattern and like, why is it like this? How does this, could this be differently? I used to bring it up in every instance. Wow, like your solution based thinking is on overdrive yeah, all the time. All the time. And so I had to actually wow. really take time and not let that affect relationships, friendships, because then in my mind, I'd be like, you could have addressed this differently, or you made that bartender or someone uncomfortable. And I would, I would completely like paint a picture for that person of how it could be different. And I realized that's, that's not necessarily the most helpful way. And it has prevented me in the past from like really emotionally connecting to someone because I didn't think their empathy level was in the same, same, um, same state as mine. So definitely had to work on that and still constantly working on that. Um, but so the emotion is, is, is the emotional availability is, is, is an issue or, or not? It's not availability. Um, yeah. I think once I get beyond the wall of the critiquing of um, their body language and how they treat others in the world and, and accept them for the, who they are and assume best intent and that their intentions aren't ma meant to make people feel uncomfortable or awkward, then I can get through that wall and 
kind of address that issue with myself for being that like hyper focused on it and also understand um, their their stance on it. Interesting. So there's a lot of um, yeah benefits of the doubt being yeah. dished out mm. when it comes to getting involved with you. <laughs> <laughs> I was, talk- <laughs> I, I, <laughs> I, I was talking about the, this with um, another Laura who I was on, on, on the chat with the other day. And um, she go, what were we talking about? We were talking about first dates and how when, when you go on a first date, it's more often than not, one is not being their true self. And they are Absolutely. equally as nervous as, as the other. And I said, look, for me, what I've had in the past is, you know, just, just understand that, take that higher stance and just understand that that is the dynamic. It's not, there's no chemistry here. You know, it's just, we are both not being right yeah. now, you, you know? So it's, it's to give it a second go. It's to give it a, a yeah. second date or, or, or a third if needs be. Um, but yeah, if the person is still very stiff and, potentially a nut job on day two and three, then, yeah, all right, yeah. get it off. Exactly. <laughs> three strikes um, and you're out, mate. Exactly. Um, I find for, for myself, um, and maybe it's just part of my character or part of the all the things that collectively have made me myself um, over the behavioral science years and being immersed in an empathetic role, um, I feel like anytime I'm just completely unapologetically myself, um, that has always yielded the best results. And whether that be first date, um, first meeting, um, or just not even assuming a date, we're just someone in a park and I am just candidly mean with a lot of quirks and a lot of nuances layered into that. But I find when, that, when that's the case and you don't have those filters or those walls, that provides the most success because people know immediately, is this a type of person that I want to spend more time with? Yeah, exactly. And I, I'm, what, what I mentioned to the people I work with is that, you know, if you put pressure on yourself to say, right, I need to be in a relationship you're not going to be in a relationship like you because you're not being the version of yourself that is attractive and um in actual fact I, I think it's the opposite i think if you tell yourself right that's it now i'm going to be single i think you'll be surprised to, to, to find out how long that lasts you yeah know? exactly the more the more you work on yourself it's a lot of attraction <laughs> you'll immediately attract what the goodness that you're doing for yourself and it it takes time sometimes to see those results but once you become just a happy person and not attaching to these desires of a relationship or desires in, in general and you understand the source of them and you understand okay i i am this more fulfilled person that will literally they, they like flies <laughs> yeah it, well, it, does. It, just, it, it is law of attraction yeah um Something I wanted to ask you because you're 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 a girl that's got um, some pretty cool hobbies. You know, you you like skating, surfing. Um, you know, you, there's a guitar in the back as well. Uh, you're, yeah. You're, Ooh, yeah. Last year. <laughs> Sorry about that. <laughs> yeah. I think I I think this area of people's lives is is, is important, and um, perhaps you could share what what you get from having such hobbies. Just yeah. so, like people listening, because I mean, you know, as again, for me, I think like having a hobby is important because it stimulates your your brain. It puts your focus into something. Right. Um. It 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 you know stops you from sitting there ruminating about the past and unnecessary unwanted thoughts. 
Yeah. Um, you build self-esteem through progression mm. of that hobby. Um, and again, sense of community, you know? Exactly. I mean, um, are there any other sort of things that you, you kind of get from your hobbies? Yeah, I think initially just in like basis of identifying a new hobby, the initial appeal is for me sometimes an escape. And so I, I identify mm. that as not the most healthy thing. But once you start a, a continuation and practice of said hobby, it becomes more than an escape. Yes, it still has that undertone and it has a sense mm -hmm. of freedom and like liberation. Um, but once you once you start to get uh, a practice in, whether it be surfing or skating or even uh, meditating, uh, it starts to form its own meaning and its own purpose in your life. So yes, it can be an escape me mechanism, but it also just well rounds you to kind of pivot your mindset and shift your mental model into a different activity or sport, or whether it just be simply writing, um, even if you're not a writer, just observational commentary on a piece of paper. All of these things start to build a well-rounded piece of you that one is more appealing to the world obviously but also gives you these tools and um, different things to to use when you do have these um spaces of wanting to be in a relationship um or loneliness or things like that you can you can leverage those tools so for uh, me, and i i think i think okay. as well as i'm um, sorry to jump yeah. in but um i always say to people i work with that your only source of joy cannot come from your partner. You have to find multiple sources of joy. That doesn't mean multiple partners. <laughs> For some it does. <laughs> For some it does. I mean, hey, you know, we're, we're in San Francisco, right? <laughs> Here we are. Um, you know, we're, we're talking about hobbies, you know, hobbies and interests. So like if, you know, if you're having a rough day in your relationship or whatever, Hey, you know what? Grab the surfboard and hit the waves, and you, you know, and or you know, jump on the longboard and you know, carve out, carve, carve down some hills or whatever your thing is. Uh, <laughs> uh, did I tell you about when I, because I got a longboard, I tell you what I fell off. I mean, you're well, it's, I can't even the mental image I have of this tiny little board and this tall real man. <laughs> How does that work? <laughs> oh, it was it was it was a phenomenal situation. It was a uh, Primrose Hill here in London. Oh no! Go to the no. top, you know. Yeah, it? I'm familiar. God. Oh no! So you can see the sunset, and everyone it, it's around mm. sunset time. Everyone's on on the hill waiting for the sunset to go down, right. and I'm with my friend, who is a much more confident skateboarder than I am. Because yeah, I'm he been doing it for a couple of months at a time. He's gone to the top, whooshed down. Oh no! And I've gone, wow. You know, I'm not, no. not that confident at this yet. So I went halfway oh, no. and put on a spectacular performance. <laughs> so, yeah, exactly. No. Neat, my my jeans were all covered in grass. Yeah. My my yeah. Yeah. glasses were smashed to pieces. Yeah. Oh god. Man. Not for lack of effort. Well done. <laughs> Yeah. There's Have you no gone source down the of joy again? coming out of that hobby that day. <laughs> Except for everyone else. So that's what that's also yeah, good. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so thank you. <laughs> uh, so yeah, that that's that's it's it's important. It is important to you know, if you're gonna go after your career and, and provide value in all the ways that you do, it's important to actually have some downtime for yourself. Absolutely. Um, you know, for your mental well being, for your social life. Um and I think if you're in a relationship as well, for your relationship. You know, really, I mean, you like, have to have those those sources of independence, too, and things that you don't do together and things you do do together and identifying those early and often are super crucial because otherwise you're going to feel this like sense of being left out and no one likes that feeling. Um, so that has to be explicitly said up front, like, hey, surfing, I mean, you can come sometimes, but that's my that's my thing. 
Yeah. Oh, yeah? Yeah. That's what All you right. have to frame it as. <laughs> okay. Yeah. You, you, you don't include them in it? I do to some degree. I mean, if they're a surfer, mm -hmm. great. Um, but yeah. a lot of times I have to identify, hey, um, this is something that I get my headspace from and some peace. And it's not yeah. a detriment to you, but this is just what I need to remain whole and good for you. And so it has to be communicated in, in a really respectful way, but a way that, hey, is saying this is a boundary for me. Yeah, I think that's important. I mean, I, I, I'm using the, the whole fitness thing at the moment for that. Yeah. You know, yeah, it's like great. it's a non-negotiable. That that one exactly. hour a day is just like, boom, no, no one messes with that. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, it's super important. <laughs> All right. And how has the pandemic been over there? Like, and how are you personally dealing with it? I mean, have, has it, I mean, you're a creative person, so perhaps yeah. it's allowed you more of your creativity, but um, yeah. has it been difficult at times? What were you, it were has, you going through? It's, you know, peaks and valleys. Um, for me, unfortunately, I have uh, many hobbies to keep me keep me level. Sorry, I thought feeling... you just said pigs and bellies, but then you said peaks and valleys. I said, sorry, that I said was... peaks and bellies. Uh, sorry, that pigs and bellies, pork, okay. Pork belly is delicious. <laughs> yeah. um, it is. But yeah, peaks and valleys. I mean, some days I really miss um, just having a dinner um, and then grabbing a nice bottle of wine, all these things. Um, yeah. But then I'm super fortunate. And so I just have to ground myself in that. Like I live in a lovely place with this view. Uh, I don't know if you can see it. Yeah, oh, that's ridiculous. Is but that so, an easel? You got an easel on the balcony there as well? Yeah. Do a you little landscape that? painting. <laughs> wow. Um, that's another great hobby. But yeah, it's just maintaining hobbies, um, structure and scheduling of your day. Like if I've had a, a big struggle waking up and saying like, okay, start the day. I'm more so just like me and laying in bed, tossing yeah, and turning. Yeah, a lot of people go for that. You know, yeah. it's, it's, you know, it, it goes to show us momentum really creates motivation. Big time. You know, because there's no momentum between two people, three people, a team as such, or you're in an environment where there's some rushing going around. I mean, like, mm -hmm. it slows you down. It slows you down and it puts you in a funk. And also, biggest tip is just having a clean space to remove mental clutter. That has been, that has been really huge, um, huge help for me lately. And so just all the little dust bunnies getting those out of here and having yeah. space to like stretch on the floor do some yoga that's been super super helpful yeah i'm 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 one for that as well and i'm, I'm yeah. we're singing from the same hymn sheet there yeah. um what else has helped me um what has helped me actually is going back to basics and just building a structure for the mm -hmm. day yeah like it's crucial if we come out of this and we haven't learned new skills <laughs> then that's a tragedy yeah or you just, know? yeah yeah again different for everyone if they're they haven't learned new skills per se but have owned in and focused on their current ones and bettered those just any type yeah, of betterment i think yeah any type of personal betterment yeah so i mean so what, what i did is like okay i'm gonna wake up at set the alarm for this time right and um when I wake up, you know, breakfast, online course. Yeah, great. Right, so do breakfast, online yeah. course, um, answer emails, do some scheduled work projects, lunchtime, session in the park, mm -hmm. work, work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The remainder. Yeah. For the mind. You know, just that, that busyness yes. that deliberately yeah. schedule the busyness. 
Um, exactly. Too much time on your hand is never going to be help healthy for the mind. Yeah, or or just not knowing what to do with that time when boredom comes in. Um, or I'm I'm a big component in never feeling bored. Um, and even if it's just sitting um, in a chair and the moment your mind starts to go next, 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 or what, what's, what should I do? Or should I focus my attention? That's when yeah. you start to fill that, that peace with things. And the more things you fill in that hole, when you do feel that solace, the more things you're going to need. Um, but if you don't need them, and if you can just pause and be present, hyper present, then you'll find yourself boredom's not going to be there. Loneliness will start to be mitigated. A yeah, hundred percent, really is. Um, to to anyone that is watching, they've got any questions, and we're just coming up to yeah. like the sort of final minutes and moments now um, of this discussion, which has been highly enjoyable. <laughs> or I mean, whenever we see each other, it's always sort of like a drink and a a bit of a knees up. But um, yeah. you know, I feel sure. like we've had a bit more of a <laughs> intellectual conversation yeah. this time round. Yeah. Um, anyone that's got any questions relating to, you know, tech, um, you know, Facebook, Instagram, Strava, you know, creating communities, um, bullying, suicide, self-harm, any, any of the above, um, chip in. Um, but yeah, there's a question <laughs> box at the bottom here. <laughs> um, is there anything, anything that you feel that you wanted to use this time to sort of share? Yeah. I mean, uh, yeah. honestly, it's, um, no, this has just been nice. Sharing sharing a dialogue was, was the main goal. Um, yeah. And just giving a different perspective on the internal landscape of what these companies yeah, are doing. There's helpful. a lot of a lot of external and I could there we could have hours covering the topic. Um, but I think there's there's just a really small percentage of people out there that have had the experience um, and that can speak to it in a way to help again form a more objective thought of how, how these companies are dealing with it. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's been highly insightful. As I say, you're right. You know, all we see is like Zuck in the courtroom, like fighting exactly. off some sort of court case, and you know, exactly. we don't really see what the what's going on behind the scenes. So, yeah. thank you for sort of unveiling what's behind the curtain. Yeah. Um, and so, so yeah, so Strava's obviously where, where you currently are. Um, is there anything else that you're working on 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 the side, or any sort of other projects that you're excited about? Um, well, use this platform. I'm, um, a book. It will be coming out into the world. You're, you're um, writing a book. And so it's written and it should be out uh, to the world in July. And so uh, it's essentially on a, lot of, a lot of, exactly, exactly. We'll, we'll compare sales. I'm just kidding. <laughs> 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 um, but so essentially it's about all the topics we covered, but in a really, really detailed way. Um, and so it's um, on behavioral molding. And so how these uh, mediums and platforms are kind of dictating how human behavior will um, go from this point forward and how to how Amazing. to stay how to stay true to some of our roots and some of our undertones and not be completely in the rectangle box for the rest of our lives. Hi guys, if you enjoyed the content, why not head over to my YouTube channel and hit subscribe. If you want to send me a message directly, head on over to my Instagram, London Dating Coach, where you can contact me directly.